Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is March 31st. I am David Gasper, joined by co-host Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. It is opening day. We have finally made it through a very, very long offseason, and the regular season is finally beginning. So this will be our season preview episode of the Cold Brew Podcast, and there is no one better to preview the season with than our guest this week, Jeff Levering, play-by-play man for the Brewers radio network uh, when he's not when it's not the bob Euchre play-by-play guy it is jeff levering so jeff thank you so much for for coming on how you feeling man how you doing uh it's it's great to be talking with you guys and um just to be talking baseball it's it's been a long year 2020 is kind of a year that we we don't even like to recognize um that it actually happened even though it was a playoff season for the brewers for a third consecutive year but Man, it's, it's great to be talking baseball again. It's great that, that fans are going to be at the ballpark tomorrow for opening day. Team looks really good. They're energized. Like Yelich looks like a different human being coming into 2021 than he did in 2020. It's uh, There's a lot to be excited about heading into this season. Yeah, absolutely. So much that's been going on. And you've been down there for, for spring training, calling all the games on the radio or on TV, uh, filling in for BA. And... You know, we're, it, it's just been so fun to see it back on TV. I mean, the Brewers had kind of an early exit from the postseason last year. And just watching the, the games and the broadcast and listening to them last year, it was just different so much. And just being able to, to listen to it and hear fan reactions and all of that and just knowing that baseball is finally around the corner uh, is, is something that uh, it, it's – it's just an indescribable feeling almost. Yeah, there's no doubt. And and we were talking before, before we started rolling about just, just the fact that when you goes on the air for, for game one of a regular season or game one of, of spring training, it feels like all is right in the world, right? That that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of, okay. The weather's starting to turn. The snow's going to melt. The flowers are going to bloom. You're going to have to cut the grass at some point. Whenever you hear Yuke's voice, like that's okay. It's go time. Let's roll. Um, and this is year 50 slash 51 for him, however you want to count it, 51 seasons, 50 years, whatever it is. Um, it, it's just special. And, and last year was weird. I mean, the fact that we were calling games from then Miller Park, now American Family Field, and it was a game where maybe it was raining in Milwaukee, but the roof was open, but it was beautiful sunshine in Pittsburgh. And all you're seeing on the field in front of you is the growth lights helping the grass grow or the grounds crew working on the infield uh, or working on the pitcher's mound or something. And we're talking about a game that's happening in Pittsburgh. It was the darndest thing last year, trying to deal with that and and get the technology right. And we're going to have to do it again at the beginning part of 2021. And maybe we'll get back on the road at some point later on in the season, but that's how it's going to be at the beginning of the year where we're just calling games from the road and we'll be sitting at American family field in our chairs with our feet up and sandals on or pajamas or whatever it is. If it's a West coast game, they're playing the Padres early on in April. We'll show up to the ballpark with our jammies and we'll just call baseball and, and hang out like everybody else is listening to it back at home. But it's, it's great to be back. It, it's great to be back on the medium on, on radio and on television and, and to provide some, some happiness um, to a lot of people that haven't had a lot of it over the last 12 months, 13 months, yeah. whatever it's been. It feels like forever, but it's been it's been over a year now. 
Yeah, and I was going to mention that uh, Brewers fans got treated to some Jeff Levering on the TV, um, and that's going to be kind of an added part of the workload. Uh, how does it feel to be kind of transitioning into a little bit more of that now? Well, it, it's been really fun, um, to be honest with you, Matt, and, and it's something that I've always been interested in, and that's what my background is in, is on the television side, not necessarily in front of the camera, but that's kind of where I came <laughs> up on the television side. Um, kind of in that producer's trajectory. Um, but I, I, being in the minor leagues, I'd had an opportunity to do some TV in the minor leagues with the Cardinals and the Red Sox. And then you get to Milwaukee and I'm doing so much on the college basketball side with Fox and the Big Ten Network that, you know, people people see me on there and say, hey, it's Marquette in Wisconsin. Hey, we saw Jeff doing that and all that. It's basically the games that BA doesn't want to do, which is fine. I'm totally fine writing those <laughs> coattails. Don't, don't get me wrong about that. But it, I've been so used to doing television on for college basketball, and I did a couple of national games in 2019 for FS1 and for Fox. Um, they were Brewers games, but it was still a great opportunity to do it. And now the BA is scaling back a little bit more, and um, the, the Brewers decided, hey, listen, last year at the pandemic and leave it to a pandemic for them to give me an opportunity to do a little bit of TV. But still, <laughs> it, it was really great. It was great to do it. It was great to work with Rock. Um, I've done plenty of I've done plenty of webcasts with him in spring training, but to work with him and Sophia and the great producers and directors and camera folks and people in the truck, the people that I know from doing all those college basketball games because they're the same crew, um, it was really a lot of fun last year. So eight turned into maybe 40 games this year, the games that BA is not going to be able to do at home. And um, I'll just slide over and Lane will slide in with Bob and it only made sense. So it's, it's going to be great. There's still going to be plenty of Matt LaPay and some Craig Kishon and the rest of our new guys that are going to be filling in too. Um, but it's a, it's a great group and, and it's mm -hmm. fun for me to, to switch mediums and go from radio to TV and TV back to radio and keep things fresh. And, and it's fun for, I think the fan base to, to listen to different voices sometimes. Yeah. It, it seems like the Brewers have, have taken the, the David Stearns approach with the broadcasters too. It's like, Oh, we'll, we'll just kind of interchange. We got plenty of depth. In our broadcasting mm -hmm. core, we can bring a whole bunch in. You got to be very um, versatile. You have to be very yeah, versatile right. to, to be yeah. employed by the Brewers, whether it's on the field or or off the field. Yeah, just, just trying to avoid uh, the minor league options. That's yes, yes. See, I, hopefully, I'm out of options. I haven't looked at my contract recently, but hopefully, I'm out of options. I, I did, it. I did oh, yeah. my 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 good fair share of eight years in the minor league, so it was mm. it was great. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, working up there through the through the minor leagues, and this is now your seventh season uh, with the Brewers. Uh, when you got the the call, it's like, hey, we're we're hiring you for you know the Brewers, and it's like, you know, oh my God, I'm going to work with Bob Euchre, you know, one of the greatest of all time. What what was that like, and what's it been like working with Bob Euchre? Um, well, first, when when they offered me the job, and I'm sure you guys have heard the story before. I've told it plenty of times, but my last interview was to go have dinner with him and his wife down in Scottsdale at Donna Charlie's. Mm -hmm. So I had to pass that first before I got the job. And in the middle of it, um, we sit down and within five minutes of the conversation, Bud Selig walks around the corner at Donna Charlie's and Uke goes, Hey Al, I want to introduce you to Jeff. He's going to be working with us next year. And first, nobody calls him Al except for you. And second, <laughs> I needed to go to the bathroom and change my pants because he just told me that I got the job when I didn't have the job. Like, what are we, what, what life am I living in right now? And then I look to my left and there's a dollar bill with Uke's face on it that he's sitting underneath the table. It's like, what, what is happening? 
Um, so that was kind of my first indoctrination to the whole situation. And then I had to sit on that. Oh yeah. We'll see you in a couple of weeks at Brewers on deck and don't worry. You got the job. And I still didn't have the job because my boss didn't tell me. So I had to sit on that for a week. That was the day before Christmas in 2004. And then I didn't get the job until new year's day is when they finally called me and ironed things out. And I was at my, my house and where my, where I grew up in California with my parents and my wife and my brand new baby son at the time, he was only two months old. And I got that call and it was, okay, you're going to the big leagues. And you felt like the, the minor league player who gets called into the coach's office and they say, okay, pack your stuff. You're going to the show. That's what it felt like for me. Um, and, and it was great. And I got to share that with my family and my parents who were right there. And my dad starts crying and, my wife starts crying and they thought that it was, it might, it might happen. But then when you get that phone call, it's okay, this is, this is crazy. And then to top it off, it's with Bob Euchre. Then it's, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And why am I the person that's getting this job and this opportunity? And I was glad my first year that I, I dipped my toe into the shallow end instead of, okay, you're his 100% partner all the time. I didn't even work with him my first year. I didn't work with him until my second year because Joe Block was here. And then he goes to Pittsburgh and, and then I filled in for, I took Joe's job as the number two and then number one when Bob doesn't work. So I didn't work with him until 2016. And the, the hardest thing about working with Bob and learning wasn't just, okay, I need to shut up. That was pretty easy because Bob's so darn funny, <laughs> but my job was to make sure I pulled as much out of him. But the hardest part about, working with Bob and learning to work with him was learning how he scores because we share a mm. scorebook. Mm. Um, we're the only tandem in baseball that shares a scorebook. And when he does his innings, he does it. I fill out the book and then hand it to him right before he does the first pitch. And then he'll hand it to me for my innings and we'll just go back and forth. So I have to, I have to keep score twice for my mm. own book and then his book. And then at the end of the game, like spring training games are a disaster. It looks like someone's <laughs> bled all over the thing. <laughs> ripples all over the place. But I, but I honestly had to learn how he scored so that he could read it. And my penmanship had to get better. And that was the most stressful part about working with Bob and still not is to this point, but like I've had to break lane in a little bit and how he scores. Cause he does some games with Bob and he's got to learn how to work on Stonehenge and I mean, that's, that's how it works. That's how it works, but it's been awesome. He's, he's, he's great. Bob's like a, like a grandfather to my kids. And even though he could be my own grandfather, he's, um, he's just a, an amazing human being and every good thing you've ever heard about him is, is totally true. Um, it's, I'm very fortunate to, to be able to do what I do. Oh, Go ahead. no, Go ahead. no, I was just going to say you've, you fall in a, a long line of uh, successful, uh, pairs to go along with Bob Euchre. And we were talking, you know, Joe Block, you just mentioned, um, we talked about Corey Provis beforehand. Um, and then Jim Powell, who's down in Atlanta now too. I mean, that, that's a pretty successful line of guys right there. And then, you know, you get to join that. So, I mean, how does that even feel on top of it? It's, um, very intimidating. And Pat Hughes before that too, Matt. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it goes back to the early eighties with, with the Uke and his, it's like the Andy Reed coaching tree, right? So, right. <laughs> so now it's the Euchre broadcasting tree where he's got Pat <laughs> and Jim Powell and Provis and now Joe. And, and then it, hopefully the, the tree doesn't die on my branch. So <laughs> like that's, that's what I have to live up to. And, and it was good for me to, to come here from where I came from in Pawtucket 
where that has its its own little broadcast tree too where if you get hired there you're basically going to have an opportunity to get to the big leagues because of who's come before you which was Gary Cohen who does the Mets television broadcast mm-hmm. he was the first one then Don Orsillo who did the Red Sox and now the San Diego Padres and then Dave Fleming and then Andy Freed Dave Fleming who does the Giants Andy Freed who's in Tampa Bay Dave Jagler who's the Washington Nationals broadcaster then oh. Dan Ford who does the Cincinnati Bengals then Aaron Goldsmith, who does Fox and the Mariners, and then me. It's like, okay, well, now <laughs> I have to follow all this stuff and all the pressure. And the guy that I worked with my first year is now the voice of the New England Patriots. And now I'm in Milwaukee. And the guys that came after me in Pawtucket are still there. So hopefully it's not like this branch snaps off after I get the job. <laughs> it just continues to, to progress and make everybody proud but it's it's fun coming from both of those trees and now being a part of another beautiful spruce in the middle of the redwoods <laughs> perfect way to put it yeah uh, right yeah oh man so yeah it's just gonna be a really exciting season and all i was gonna say before was just you know Bruce fans are just kind of lucky to have you know all you guys here and it's just kind of been a, an incredible broadcasting group that that the brewers have you and, and the guys on the TV broadcast and radio broadcast and, and everything. And uh, it's really just kind of been, been awesome to have. And uh, it, it really just kind of you guys uh, as a collective group really just kind of help all of us get through this 162 game journey uh, that, that we call a, a regular season. So we're at the beginning of that, of another journey with that now. And you've been watching this team as, as much as anyone this spring uh, where, where do you think the, the Brewers are at right now? Do you think they're in a good place? Um, they, they've got, you know, a few injuries that have been going on. Uh, not many key players, a lot of role players, but I mean, the Justin Topa injury uh, was certainly a, a big blow, but just, just kind of overall, do you think the team's in a good place right now heading into the season? I, I do think that they're in a really good place. And, and um, having seen the team this year and, and what they went through last year, I think depth is going to be so big for every organization, this year, especially on the pitching side of things. Um, you're going to need so many guys to cover as many innings as you're going to need to cover. You're not going to want to blow guys out um, and have Brandon Woodruff who threw 75 innings last year, go up to 200 innings. You're just not going to do that. I know he wants to, but there's no way that he's going to do that. If you got 150 innings out of Brandon Woodruff this year, I think that would be a huge number and a, and a really good number because then the following year he can get back up to 200 in my opinion. Um, but you're, you're going to see so much depth. I think that last year was rock bottom in terms of offense and offensive mm-hmm. production. Um, you couldn't be much worse. And, and there were players that there were players that had really bad years, really bad years. Um, Christian Yelich, Abisayo Garcia, Omar Narvaez, even Kesson Hira, who hit 13 home runs and led the team, but that, that, he struck out so much and there's still a lot of strikeouts in that bat. But I think those guys had such bad years that they learned from what they needed to, to learn from. And they've improved. They all had great springs. Christian Yelich's body language is totally different. Garcia's body itself is totally different. <laughs> yeah. He dropped 36 pounds. And Omar Narvaez had a great quote the other day when we had him on the TV broadcast, probably last week when he was talking with us and Sophia. And he said, listen, I'm a contact hitter and I'm going to run into some home runs every now and again. 
And I got away from that in 2020. Mm-hmm. So now he's playing a more contact and the power is starting to come back a little bit, but he just was not himself last year and he's becoming a better catcher and hopefully his offense comes back. So I think the offense will be much improved. Of course, Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. Great additions and even having Lorenzo Cain around for as much as he's going to be around. And you don't expect him to play all 162, but if he can get 130 games out of Lorenzo or 125 games, I think that that's a, a very legitimate thing that you could get out of him. And hopefully he remains healthy. I still think that the, the strength of this team is in its pitching. The starting pitching, I think, is unsung, and people don't talk about it enough. It is very good and very deep. The bullpen with Williams and Hayter. The Topa injury was a, was a killer, I think, because he was starting to put together some pretty good innings at the tail end of spring. And Drew Rasmussen is somebody that that people are going to be talking about within the first month of the season. Um, I think he is poised to have a great year, and and hopefully he stays healthy. Uh, But they have great options. I I think they're in as good a shape as anybody, especially in the Central Division, which people around baseball aren't giving enough credit to. Yes, there's a lot of parity, and the teams aren't the Dodgers or the Padres. Those teams are they're juggernauts. They really are. But I think the Brewers can be competitive, and I think they can play with anybody. Yeah, I, a lot of the focus from fans, I think, this spring was, of course, on that offense. Is it going to bounce back? You know, how are things going to look leading into the season? Are we going to have to sit through the same uh, type of thing that we watched uh, last season? And David had just put out uh, an article yesterday about um, the fans, the fans being an X factor as to the Brewers' um success this season and you really do have to wonder how much that affected the team I mean the Brewers we've always loved the fact that the Brewers team is made up of personalities and some really good chemistry a lot of that brought about by I'm sure Craig Council um, and the atmosphere that he wants in that clubhouse and you know when you've got you know that kind of uh, group of guys absolutely they have to feed off of the fans and so to completely have them gone, you know, would you always expect a, you know, offensive collapse like that? No, but I'm sure it played a factor. Of course, you know, professional athletes play off of that. And so I think I thought it was a really good point that David made in that article that fans being back is going to be absolutely huge for the Brewers this season. And I totally agree. And you've already, you know, maybe seen a little bit of that in their spring training performance. They've been one of the best offenses in all of uh, all of spring training, not just Cactus League. Yeah, and I agree with that. I, the fans give you a boost that even if it's 25% or 10% or it ends up being 40% after the first month of the season, whatever it is, listen, everybody has a bad day, right? Everybody has a bad day. You wake up and you just don't feel right. You got to go to work and it sometimes it just sticks, right? So everybody has it. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what, what business you're in. You could be selling insurance. You could be a teacher. You could be a broadcaster. You could be a professional athlete. Sometimes you just have bad days. But there's always somebody that you run into that particular day that boosts you, that gives you that, okay, you know what? Maybe it's not that bad. I'm going to be okay. And for most of the cases, for these professional athletes, when they show up to the ballpark and if they're having a crappy day, the fans – when you show up and it's the first inning and those lights are on and they start clapping for you, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. That'll bust you out of anything that's bad. It makes you forget about all the other stuff. That's what's great about sports in general is that it makes you forget about everything else. It's that escape. and You could get lost in the sport and lost in everything else. 
But I, the fans are going to be a massive help for everybody. It, it's a great help for us as broadcasters. It gives us more juice. It gives the players more juice. Um, it, it's a very underrated thing that that people, I think, I don't, I don't want to say took for granted, um, but they certainly notice when they're back. They certainly notice when they're back. And I think it's going to be great tomorrow on opening day when, when you got 25,000 or 25% and 11,000, 12,000 fans at the ballpark in full throat, getting excited about the Brewers. They won't ever take that for granted ever again. And I know I won't. I know I won't. But it was a big difference last year. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's certainly something that, especially after last year, you raised a great point. No one's going to be able to take it for, for granted again after having missed it for the last year. For a lot of us, this is the longest we've ever gone not going to the ballpark. And, you know, with Brewers fans, they are now the, the certified best fans in baseball, according <laughs> mm-hmm. to the Fox Sports MLB uh, brackets. So... Right. We get a billboard and they put up a poll uh, of where they want it to be. It's going to be in Chicago. It's like 75% of the vote is Chicago. But, you know, it's something that that you hear a lot of players around the league. I mean, not just the Brewers, but I mean, really kind of in every city. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, we got the best fans and everything else. But, I mean, it, it seems like especially for the Brewers, it's a different kind of connection. It's something a little bit stronger um, and where, I mean, the Brewers actually legitimately believe that Brewers fans are the best in baseball. It's not just an empty, you know, an empty compliment. It is something that they legitimately, legitimately believe and something that has a, a very strong effect on them. And Ryan Braun told us in, in 2018, after game six of the NL, NLCS, the louder the fans are, the better we will play. It works. And, and it's something that's, you know, it is something that I think all of us kind of carry with us when we go into that stadium. Yeah, listen, I, I've been in um, three organizations prior to coming to the Brewers, right? So when I first started, I worked with the Angels organization and went to Anaheim a lot. And they were coming off of their World Series championship in 2002. And it felt like more of a country club atmosphere, right? So if they're winning, fans are going to come. Southern California, that's how that's how a lot mm-hmm. of fan bases are down there. Whether it's the Lakers. Lakers could have been the worst team in the NBA like they were towards the end with Kobe, and fans didn't show up. But now that they're good, they've got LeBron, Lakers fans show up. Um, then I went to the Cardinals organization. Again, another fan base that says we're the best fan, fans of baseball, and they take, you know, they'll clap for the opposing players. They are, the, they are nice fans, right? They're nice. They're nice mm-hmm. to everybody. They don't boo anybody. If someone on the other team makes a good play, they'll clap for them. Like they're, they're nice fans. Mid- Midwest nice. Yeah. Yeah. They're Midwest nice. Right. You have problems getting on the highway because everybody, no, 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 you go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> like that four way turn when you get to the Island, like nobody ever mm-hmm. gets in or nobody ever gets out. Right. So that's Cardinals fans. So then I go to Boston and I'm in Red Sox nation. And they're just an angry bunch, very passionate, <laughs> very passionate, uh, very knowledgeable. And I'm glad I got to work in that fan base because they held me accountable for every word that I ever said. But they're, <laughs> they are a very, very passionate bunch. And it's great. And then I come here to Milwaukee and you get the Midwest nice with the passion, plus the food, plus everything else. But I think what, what makes this fan base so great is they don't know what it's like to win a championship yet, mm. right? Cardinals right. fans know what it's like to win a championship. The Red Sox have 
they didn't have one for a long time and then they got spoiled and now they think that they're you know what doesn't stink so <laughs> for the brewers for the brewers fans they don't know what it's like to win that championship they've been close they've tasted it but they've been to world series since 1982 so in 2018 when they were a game away from the world series you could tell how excited the fans were and how authentic it was and how great the feeling was and then how great the disappointment was after the team lost and you get caught up in it brewers fans i love them i absolutely love them uh, there have been opportunities for me for me to leave the organization and, and go other places and i i haven't i haven't wanted to it's been that a it hasn't been the right opportunity but b i just love it here my family loves it here we love the fan base we love the people um i, I was on a a call earlier today on a zoom with lane and he told a story about his first year um and i told him i said listen it's opening day i'm working you're not working take advantage and just go out in the parking lot and walk mm -hmm. on opening day this is your first opening day go walk the parking lot and experience the tailgate okay you're gonna know so much about the brewers organization just by walking up and down a couple of aisles on opening day than you could ever read in any book um, it's something that I always do every single opening day when tailgating is allowed. I won't be able to do it tomorrow. Mm. But when tailgating comes back, I 100% will always leave the ballpark and do a lap around the parking lot just to say hi to people, just to experience it, maybe take a couple of sausages from people. But <laughs> it, is, it is the best part of being Brewers fans because you get to know who these people are just by walking around and saying hi to people. That's what I love about this fan base. Yeah, and I would go so far as to say not even just the Brewers fans, but, you know, fans throughout Wisconsin, fans of the Packers, fans of yeah. the Bucks, fans of the Badgers, you know, and that reflects in the players too, you know, players for all of those teams. Um, Wisconsin, for the longest time, wasn't necessarily a destination, um, and it has become much more so uh, for all of their sports teams, um, and the fan base has a lot to do that. Once you get you know, your competitive team here, you know, a superstar to um, fans really do in this state show their appreciation. Um, and I think you've heard as much from Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich um, and Kane and, you know, all the other, you know, stars that we've had on this team lately. And so it, you know, of, of course, of course, we're going to be biased. Of course, we're going to say these things, but, you know, it feels great to hear that from someone who has worked in all of these different markets. Um, so you have gotten to see, you know, the differences between fan bases. No doubt. And I grew up in California. So, I mean, I didn't, the, the first time I ever stepped foot in the state of Wisconsin was out when I was playing in the college world series when I was sophomore in college in Appleton. It was the first time I stepped foot in Wisconsin oh. and I left my heart in Appleton, which is <laughs> it's like literal and figurative terms. So it was really good. <laughs> We had a really, we had a really good time. We won the national championship in the wooden nickel tavern on main street up in Appleton will never be the same because of what we did to it. But um, <laughs> it's uh, I love it. I absolutely love Wisconsin. I, I, there's, there's nothing better, nothing better about Americana than Wisconsin. Yeah. Just an incredible, <laughs> incredible atmosphere. And, and yeah, it's just that kind of, um, you know, uh, like emotion and like you were saying, their passion really kind of from from all sides. And it's something that's really going to have to be shown here, too, on, on opening day, because this is the first time 
fans will be able to see Christian Yelich in Milwaukee since he signed that contract extension. Mm-hmm. Um, he signed it last spring, a week before the shutdown, which was incredible timing because if they didn't get that done until a week later, it still might not be done. Who even knows? But now he's back and I'm expecting, hopefully, uh, from the 12,000 of us that are going to be there on opening day to give as much of a standing ovation as we can for Christian Yelich for his first AB in front of us since signing that contract extension and choosing to, to stick around. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I think he's absolutely going to love it. Um, I was just looking back. I haven't, I haven't done this yet, but the last time that he actually played a game in front of fans in Milwaukee would have been early September before that yeah. to Miami in 2019 oh, yeah. because he, Broke his broke, kneecap broke knee, in Miami. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's playing in front of fans at his home ballpark for the first time since early September. And I got to look at, I'll, I'll look that date up. And then when <laughs> I start talking about it on the air tomorrow in the pregame show, you guys will be like, oh, it's because Jeff was thinking about that on our podcast. <laughs> yep. I was going to talk about it today. Um, but I got to find the exact date. Um, but early September, I, I think it was September 10th when he hurt his knee. So it's even right before that. But for it's whatever be, reason. For whatever reason, I had his baseball reference page in front of me, and that is exactly correct. 0 for 1 on September 10th. That was the that was the at bat. I, yeah, I knew it was September 10th because it wasn't September mm-hmm. 11th. That would have really stuck with me in terms of right. Yeah, but um, but when was his final home game, Matt? If you got the game logs there. Oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, September 8th against the Cubs of all teams. No. Got it. Yeah. Yep. So I th- I think that the the reception for Yelly, I think the reception for for Colton Wong the first time he comes to the plate um, is going to be massive. When Brandon Woodruff strikes out the side in the first inning, hopefully <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, I, I just think that the atmosphere tomorrow, twelve thousand fans or whatever it ends up being, is going to sound like sixty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I'm going to be loud when I'm in between tears. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a lot of us are, are probably going to be, you know, emotional, tearing up, you know, there tomorrow. You might even be tearing up on the air there, Jeff. I don't know. I will. No, I, there's there's a <laughs> there's a very good chance. There's a very good chance that when I I get it from break, that final break um, from our pregame show and I'm going through my thousands of sponsored elements that I have to get into. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing a keys to the game and an injury report. And I think there's a pregame brief that I, for whatever reason, it's not the same as a keys to the game, but it's sponsored by some different sponsor. So once I finally get all that out of my mouth and I'm about ready to toss the Bob for the first pitch, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to have to get that out real fast. I'm going to have yeah. to say, okay, with the play by play, there's a chance there's a, there, there will be some emotion. There will be some serious emotion tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That means we care. That means we, we really care and we're invested in it. Yeah, maybe even Bob will tear up. Who knows? <laughs> maybe we'll not. See. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. He'll he'll try and laugh it off, but I think there'll be some emotion there too. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, I mean, Bob's missed you know all the fans there as much as you know you and and everyone else. So he yeah, lives I'd... on that stuff. He lives on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And being in the clubhouse. And now that yeah. he's able to to be in the clubhouse as a tier two employee and hang out in spring training and say hi to the guys. He's double vaccinated. Like he's got the pure blood going right now. So he's, he's loving it. He's loving life. Yeah. It's just so great to see and great to have uh great to have everyone back. So, you know, it's season 
getting ready to to start here. Um, what, what's your kind of what, what's your prediction for how uh, this season en- ends up with for the Brewers? Do you think they end up winning the division? Do you think um, they end up more in a wild card? Do you think they end up missing? Or I mean, do, do you think they could end up winning winning the World Series, winning it all at the end? I think winning the World Series is is um, that's a tough one to prognosticate because anything can happen once you get right, to the playoffs. Yeah. When you look at the Dodgers; they've been one of the best teams in baseball recently, and they've only won the World Series one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything could happen. I think the Brewers are in a really good shot to a really good position to win the division. Uh, again, I, I like their depth. If one guy in their position player group goes down, they have somebody else who can fill in where other teams don't necessarily have that depth um, in their talent pool to, to just bring guys up and, and have them fill in at a very capable level. Um, I, I have issues with the Cardinals pitching staff. I have issues with the Cubs pitching staff and their bullpen. The Reds are trying to purge money. Um, I think the Brewers are in as good a shape as anybody to win the division. I think at worst you battle for a wild card spot, but I think they're in a really good place to win the division. Yeah, I I, I feel bad. I feel a little on spot because we just put out our uh, ML Central predictions on the website today. <laughs> and of course I had the Cardinals. It's it's always Come hard on, to, Matt. you know, I know. Well, you're I, underselling oh, and trying to overperform. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. I'm trying to you keep don't the want bar to just... It. You don't want to predict them and then be wrong and go, ah, well, I should have picked the Cardinals in the beginning anyway. But now if the Brewers end up leapfrogging, then you're fine. I'm, I'm happy to be wrong with that prediction. Well, I've just jinxed so many things in my life before. I figured maybe I'd try the reverse <laughs> jinx this time. But, um, I, I, you know, I have a lot of the same concerns about the Cardinals, but they did add Nolan Arenado. Um, I know he's away from Coors Field now, but that is still a very powerful bet to add to that lineup um, as well as some of the other resources they still have like Goldschmidt's. Um, I think Carlson's going to have a really good year um, with, you know, some big playing time. And it's, it's always hard to, you know, pick against the, you know, what seems to be the best team in the league. I know that was the Cubs last year, um, but they're kind of this just every year. They're this wild card now that they're out of the, you know, prime of that uh, com- com- competitive window. Um, they're this wild card of like, you know, they've got a bunch of talent. Are they going to be good? Are they going to be bad? Um, but same thing. Yeah. I mean, they're, uh, do they have a pitcher who can throw faster than 91 miles an hour at this point that starts? If Arietta blows his elbow out, maybe, but I don't know. We'll see. He's right. Only, um, he's like 92, 93, but they're all the same guy. They're all the same. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I, you know, I have it very competitive between the two at the top there. I think I had, um, 87 wins pegged for the Brewers. So obviously that is well enough to keep them competitive. Um, I fully expect it to be a, a battle. And, you know, I think it's, there's just as good as chances the Brewers coming up, out, coming out on top and plenty of sites are starting to predict it that way at this point. Yeah. And I think I agree with that. I think they're going to be fine. I think it, it might end up being the first team to 90 wins is going to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might not even take 90. Yeah. All right, so uh, do you have any bold predictions of your own? Maybe a little bit more beyond the the basic who's going to win the division. Do, do, do you have a little boldness in you? I mean, I got plenty of bold in me. It just depends on, <laughs> depends on what you and where you want to go with it um, and what's legal for for your show. But um, <laughs> it's all on the table. No no rules yeah. here. That's yeah, right. We're podcast land. Um, <laughs> I, no FCC I, coming in on us. No, well, it might be on <laughs> me though. Um, 
I my bold prediction, I think I'm going to say that the right side of the infield for the Brewers, that's Keston Hira and Colton Wong, mm-hmm. combines to hit 50 homers. Oh, okay. All right. I like that. I like it. Yeah. Colton's been showing some some pop there in spring training. Uh, Keston has plenty of power on his own, but yeah. Well, that's 30. It could be 35 and 15. It could be 25 and 25. It could be 30 mm-hmm. and 20. I think that I think the right side of the infield hits 50 homers this year. All right. I like it. I'm, I'm down with that. I, I had five bold predictions of my own in an article that went up the other day, and I went a little bit out there. Um, on, on some of them, I started off kind of, I started off somewhat mild, but I, I really kind of got into it there towards the end. All right. So I've got my five bold predictions right over here. All right. And you, and you tell me, Jeff, if you think that I'm nuts for some of these, okay. All right. um, I don't one think I'm nuts. Answer. Just one word answers. <laughs> All right. Um, so starting off here, I got Travis Shaw returns to form it's 30 plus home runs this season. 28. You're going 28. 28. So I'll take the under, but it'll be a productive year. All right. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I mean, you know, a more realistic is probably, you know, more like, you know, 25, 28, you're, something like that. But, you're, but you're I go bold. bold. Yeah. Yes. I got to go bold. So, you know what? I, I like your optimism. I like your Thank optimism. you. Yeah. And, and I mean, Craig Council, uh, David Stearns, they've said Travis Shaw looks like, you know, Travis Shaw looks like the guy you'd expect. And 2017, 2018, Travis Shaw is the guy that they're talking about. And that guy hit 30 homers. So why not? Yeah, it could happen. I I like your optimism. Perfect. Uh, And then next one here, I've got Freddie Peralta permanently establishes himself in the rotation this year and becomes the number three guy behind Woodruff and Burns, forming a big three in that rotation. Love it. I think it's great. All in on that. That slider is disgustingly good. I know. Oh my god! I've seen the videos so of fun. that. Oh so man. Fun. Yeah, we we've been getting our guy, a uh, friend of the podcast, pitching ninja on some of those videos, and he's just been loving it. Yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, when you got that Peralta slider, we got to come up with a name with it, um, like the Airbender for Devin Williams. Chandler. Yeah. But we got to come up with a name for the. Peralta's paralysis or something like that. I don't know. We'll, we'll come up. I gotta, we'll we'll I gotta, get Rob on it there. We'll, we'll yeah. get the pitching ninja to come up with a nickname. Yeah, that's, that's much better. We don't, I don't need to think tank this one. But I, I like that prediction. <laughs> I think he is a he's a major, major candidate to, to really step up this year. Yeah. He, I mean, break been, out, perhaps, David? <laughs> yeah. Establish, establish himself. Yes. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I like yeah. it. Because, I mean, he's been going back and forth a little bit between the rotation and the bullpen for the past couple of years. But, I mean, he's 24 now, and he's got three pitches with that slider now. So he's got the repertoire to to do it. So here's where my bold predictions start getting a little more bolder. Okay. Uh, so number three, after 34 years, this will finally be the year that the Brewers throw their second no-hitter in franchise history. Bold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Bold bold is the perfect word for that. Man, I so, mean there's just so many intangibles that go into that, but they've got the arms to do it. I don't I don't hate it. I would love to. I'd love to call it. I called yeah. up to the Cubs at Van Miller Park last year. Yeah. That was hard. That was the first mm-hmm. nine inning no hitter I'd ever called in my life. So hopefully I get to do another one this year. And it's a Brewers player. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, because when I was looking at I mean, yeah, you got the arms. You got, you know, your guys like Brandon Woodruff, 
Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta, when he's on, he's got no hit stuff. Like all three of those guys have the potential to do it. And then you look at the defense, adding Colton Wong, adding Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, and really kind of strengthening that up the middle and strengthening the run prevention unit. And a run prevention unit really kind of doubles as a hit prevention unit because oh, yeah. it's hard to score runs if you can't get hits. Yeah, um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of hits with that defense. No matter what the alignment is, there's going to be there aren't going to be a lot of hits in that defense. Exactly. So you keep on, you know, not allowing the hits with the defense. You got the arms that don't allow many hits. I mean, you don't have to talk me into it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm all, I'm all aboard the no hitter train. I think this is great. Yeah, I, I believe I, I used a quote from the ancient Roman the ancient Roman philosopher Seneca, that luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Also so, true. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Might as well. It, it's about time. So many of these other teams have like, you know, one or two no hitters every three or four years. And it's just like, you know, we haven't had one in 34 years. This is ridiculous. You know, we need to we need to have something. It could be a combined no-no because, you know, Craig Council's not really a big fan of complete games. No. Um, Jimmy Nelson was the last one, right? A non-seven inning complete game. I think so. On Father's I think it still Day. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was in June of Father Father's Day 2017. Yeah, 17. Yeah. Crazy we remember that. I was there. (laughs) I was too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, anything could happen. And, yeah, if you need, you know, to close it out, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, I think they're perfectly capable of throwing a no-hit inning or two. Um, Yeah. All right. Uh, Bold bold prediction number four uh, is going to be a big year in award season. The MVP, the Cy Young, and two gold gloves. I, I got Yelich with the MVP, and yeah. I am all in on the Corbin Burns Cy Young hype train. I am the conductor mm-hmm. of it. Yep. Um, so I, I've been saying this. I, I first bold predicted that in 2019, and that did not go well. <laughs> um, <laughs> I heard about it a lot on Twitter afterwards. Um, but he, he redeemed my faith. Uh, last year, get, finishing sixth. Um, so that was awesome to see. So I think he could do it. Yep. And between all the defensive guys that they got that, that are um, really strong defenders, between Kane, Jackie Bradley Jr., Colton Wong, Urias looks good defensively. Omar Narvaez has been a lot better defensively. I think you can squeeze two gold gloves in there somewhere. So, I mean, I know it's a lot. It might be getting a little bit greedy, but it could happen. Uh- that is a lot of greed. I I, um, I support <laughs> I support your decision. I support your rationale. Um, I think that I I am all in on at least one of those. I think the two gold glove thing is definitely available. There's just so many good players mm-hmm. in baseball. They're just like Mookie Betts is unbelievably good. Bellinger might be have another good year. Francisco Lindor is now in the National League. Oh yeah. Um, so and there's you got just Snell a lot. in there now for the Cy Young. Yeah, and Acuna mm-hmm. and whoever the Dodgers are running out there on a day in and day out basis. So <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of options. But I don't I'm, don't get me wrong. I think that I think Yelich finishes in the top five again in MVP voting, and I think Corbin Burns finishes in the top five, and Woody might even be in the top five too. If those two guys duplicate what they did last year they're going to be in really really good shape and the brewers are going to win a ton of games but i think yelich is going to have a monster year i really do i'm excited to see it yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, I hope there's a lot of uh, award show appearances from Brewers players. Yeah, yeah, it's been certainly something to see. And and Yelich, I mean, yeah, he probably should have won it in 2019. But yeah, I, I think with the with the comeback, he's he's ready to go. Um, but yeah, so my final my final bold prediction, I kind of combined a couple of things, and I went just kind of all in. I I moved all the poker chips to the center. And yeah, put, push them in. Push and in. I boldly predicted Ryan Braun comes back to the team midseason to help carry the team to a World Series title. It was originally just going to be they, they win the World Series because, you know, why not boldly predict that? But not bold enough. Yeah, not, not bold, bold enough. enough. You got to include, nope. you got to get the ring for Ryan Braun. So, yeah. I mean, he when he made the comments there at spring training, he left the door open to possibly coming back later in the year. He's like, oh, I'm not interested now. Um, I might get the itch later. We'll see. I'm staying in shape. So I could see him, you know, coming back, you know, June, July and being like, hey, I, I've got the itch. I'm, I want to come back. And the Brewers bringing him back in. And he, we know it can hit in the clutch. Uh, we know he's a good hitter when he's healthy. And I mean, they can find a spot for him to, to get some ABs. So why not? He comes back and if the Brewers are going to win a world series and especially with all these other things coming true, they can contend for a world series. Why not have Braun with it as well? You know, he can, he can help them. I think that um, if the Brewers bring Ryan Braun back and if he wants to come back, it's because they've got some injury problems in the outfield and they need Mm -hmm. him. I think that they're in really good shape, even without him on the roster. I think it would be a great story if he came back. Of course, the folks in Milwaukee would go crazy over it, which is great. Um, It might inject a little bit more juice, not that you're going to need it um, with the fan base, because I think they're just so excited about about what's coming anyway. Um, He he definitely left the door open. He definitely left the door open. And I, I... I think that we probably haven't heard the last of Ryan Braun here in 2021. Um, whether or not he comes back and plays is a different story, but I, I can almost guarantee you that we haven't heard the last of him. There will be conversations. There will be rumors. There will be all sorts of things uh, over the course of the summer. Would it be great to see Ocho come back? It'd be great. It would be great because he's had some great moments. 2019 he has the two home runs and, Miami and then goes to St. Louis and it's a grand slam in the ninth inning. Mm. Had some great moments last year in 2020 and what was a crazy season. His 350th career home run. Um, I think that there's some great moments left in him, but he's 37. He's 37. Yeah. He'll mm-hmm. be turning 38 in November. He's the same age I am, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, we were born the same year, graduated high school the same year, graduated college the same year. So I think that, um, Listen, our bodies are different. Our bodies are different, and uh, we'll see. We'll see where he's at. If he if he still wants to be in shape and still wants to play, it's within his rights to do it. And if he's going to come back, it'll be as a brewer. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't see him coming back with anybody else. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like he just needs to send off. You know, he he needs something in front of the fans, ending the career uh, with no fans, just kind of dealing with a little injury, leaving a game early. Uh, it's not the way he should go out. I mean, with, with what he's done for the franchise and, and what he's meant to this team, pulling them out of a 26-year playoff drought 
and yeah. just kind of being so much for for this franchise for the fans he deserves a, a final uh standing ovation in front of 40,000 screaming brewers fans and you know I, I feel like eventually he's gonna be like you know what I, I just want to come back for you know a little bit he, even if it's just the last guy on the bench you know he deserves some sort of a an opportunity to to get that in front of the fans yeah, I agree. I mean, even if he doesn't resign and he, he does retire, there will be a Ryan Braun day. There will be a oh, day yeah. where he comes out and he throws out the first pitch and he goes through the car wash, does all the stuff. and um, He gets to see his old teammates. Uh, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. If he, Even if he doesn't come back and play, that'll happen. Um, you'd like him to be like Mr. 3000 and get that one last at bat and <laughs> It would be great. It would be awesome for him to do it and then to yeah. come up with a big moment like he's done so many times previously. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. The door's open. I like your bold strategies here. Yeah. You've done a nice job. Yeah. Got to go bold, you know? Yeah. Right. It's a new season, just, fresh year. Got got to go bold. No, no sense mild. in going. Yeah. No, it's not mild takes. Yeah. It's not, it's right. Who, who's going to click on that? Verde. No. It's not salsa verde takes. It's. Picante, let's go. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 going for the for the hot sauce. We're we're going yeah. for the Del Scorchos. Let's go. Yeah, Small we're going for the for the California Reaper wings. We're not going for the barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a million on the Scoville units. Yeah. <laughs> Once you're sweating. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's the only thing we're missing is we're not eating wings during this during our conversation. That's okay. Oh, yeah. The, the cold brew and wings podcast. That, that's what we right. need to turn this into. Yes. Cold or brats. Cold brew yeah, and brats. Or brats mm. yeah. Oh, man. I'm just walking past a, a concession stand and, and smelling the food and all that tomorrow. That, that's just going to be one of the biggest things. Smelling that and smelling the fresh cut grass down by the field. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It's going to be insane. It's the, it's the biggest thing that I missed in the first thing that I knew that I was going to notice in spring training was walking in and smelling the smells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The corn, the hot nuts, the, the sausages grilling, whatever it is, you just smell it all. And it's so good. It's so good. I hope my clothes stink when I come home because, <laughs> I, because I went through a, a, a sausage making house and just got all of the wafts of <laughs> Polish brats. That's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah. Lay it on me. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And you know, I mean, doing. I, I was down there for for spring training uh, for a couple of games there, and I mean, just being in in a stadium again and walking around, and especially in the warmth of the sun, <laughs> it's like eighty some degrees. Oh man, it was awesome. It was um, but but yeah, and just you know, having the um, the concession stands. I ran into the Iceman too down there selling beer, and you know. Best beer vendor ever. Love the Iceman. Great guy. He's, yeah. He's really good. I always look forward to, to him walking up towards us with his beers and, hey! Yo! <laughs> <laughs> so great. I, some days I just wish I could go from my seat and grab one of his ice cold beers, but I know I can't do that. That's okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in spring training one year. Yeah. Well, what's been awesome is like, I remember just kind of um, like watching him, like going to games when I was like four or five, six years old and, you know, seeing him going through and giving everyone fist bumps and everything. And, you know, now it's like, I'm at the point I can actually buy a beer from this man. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You get the full experience. It's not yeah. Just a, hey, how are you kid? Here's an ice cube. 
Yeah. It's for some reason, just beers from, from the Iceman just seem better. You know, they, they just taste, taste better. better. They yeah. do. They're colder. They're crisper. Yes, yeah. you're right. Just like lemonade from the lemonade guy in Arizona is better. Yeah. And they lemonade like grandma made. <laughs> so good. It's so it's delicious. It's the best stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm so excited to be back. Um, yes, we all are. Yeah, and um, like you mentioned there with the the spring training guy, and um, just just kind of looking back at spring training the past couple of weeks of playing games, uh, which player has impressed you the most this spring outside of Garrett Mitchell? Because we know Garrett Mitchell has impressed mm-hmm. everyone, but but which which Brewers player has has really kind of stuck out to you? Um. I think the easy answer is Colton Wong. Um, I saw him a lot coming through because he was he was a Cardinal when I was a Cardinal in Double A. So I, I know I got to know him personally uh, to see where he's come from that point and how many big hits he had against the Brewers as a member of the Cardinals in my seven years here. Uh, it's great to see him playing with the Brewers. I think that's great. That's the that's the easy answer. Um, I think Omar Narvaez swinging the bat has been. Very impressive. I, I really liked seeing him come back to life too. But I, I will say that maybe the most impressive person that I've seen this spring, and we talked about it earlier, is Drew Rasmus. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just unbelievable going out there. And even in spring training games, take the numbers as you will and who they're facing in the batting order when they come into ball games. But you still got to get out. And he, every time he takes the mound, you just wait to be impressed. Because he's 98, 99, 100 miles an hour. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Then he'll drop a change up on somebody and make him look so foolish. And then drop a slider on somebody. And it's just, bro, why do you have to do that to these hitters? <laughs> <laughs> You've already got the, the heat. So why why do you feel like you just got to tease him and give him a chance by throwing the breaking stuff? He's He's been super impressive. And, I, and like I said, I think he's going to have a monster season this year. Yeah, that actually, uh, um, the couple guys, I think, recently, and that creates the uh, trifecta for um, a piece that I just put out about the three guys that I think can have the best chance of a breakout season. Rasmussen I had as one of them. Um, Freddie Peralta I had as my number one guy. He has looked fantastic all spring. Um, and I know we know Freddie Peralta, but you know he hasn't really fully had his breakout season. And so he just looks like, like we touched on earlier with that three pitch repertoire, with that nasty looking slider, he's still fastball Freddie in all our hearts um, besides that. Um, But he looks like he is now finally ready to put it together and have, you know, a really hot string of starts and just take that next step forward as a starter. Um, And I've been happy to see, I know David's also been happy to see Luis Urias um, towards the, he has just been gaining more and more momentum as the spring has come to a close. And he finally is starting to look kind of like the real deal. This is also finally one of the first chances he's had to string together games. I mean, he didn't get it last spring because of the hamate bone injury. He didn't get it in the summer because of COVID. Um, and then, you know, he got some playing time last year and then unfortunately slumped late. Um, and then almost we thought the same thing was going to happen this spring when he had that bad hammy. Um, But now he's putting things together. He's looking good. He had a little bit of pop when he went back to pack with Colton Wong in that game. Um, You know, he could 
really provide some nice offense out of that shortstop. And we know he has some really, really solid defense, of course, to go with it. Yeah, I agree with both of those guys. And, and after I said Drew Rasmussen, my next guy would have been Freddie, mm-hmm. uh, just because of the slider. He's not just a, a thrower anymore. He's a pitcher, Yeah, uh, which is awesome. And, and I, I, like I said, I think like in David's bold predictions, I think that he can't be that, that number three guy behind Woodruff and Burns. And he's the next dude. He's, he's in that dude category. And then Luis just staying healthy and being on the field. That's all he needs. Um, he was able to do it a little bit during the season last year, but I feel like he was always trying to catch up and he was never, never got his feet on the ground in 2020. And plus he's coming to a new team and Trent Grisham was having a good year with the Padres and you're hearing all of the, Oh my gosh, we traded these two guys for these two guys. Everybody was talking about it. And if you didn't hear it, then, you know, you were an ostrich with your head in the sand. So for, for Luis, just to be healthy and to be out there and to be competing and for the Brewers to trust in him and say, Hey, listen, we know what Orlando RC can do. We know what he can do on the shortstop side of things, but we're going to give Luis a shot. We're going to give him a shot to win the job. And I'm not saying he's won the job. There's going to be at bats for both of those guys at shortstop, but as long as Luis continues to hit, then he's going to get a chance to play. Um, And it's good to see him on the field. It's really good to see him on the field. Yeah. And it's been a long time kind of coming for him. Cause as you mentioned, he had all those bad breaks last year, not really able to get going. Um, And then Arcia, I mean, he, it was supposed to be a battle for the shortstop job last year. And Arcia really, it, it kind of got a little bit gifted to him with, with Urias having all the setbacks. Um, and then, I mean, Arcia, he had his best season yet, but it was still kind of below average um, across the league. And even the spring, Orlando Arcia hasn't really looked that good at the plate. He, he's kind of been been struggling offensively. And he was struggling defensively originally at third. He's gotten a little bit better there, a little bit more comfortable um, but, you know, what, what are your kind of thoughts on Arcia right now heading into the season? You know, is he uh, do, do you think he's going to end up being fine or do you think it's going to really kind of end up being a struggle for him as it goes on? Well, hopefully his offensive numbers last year, kind of a harbinger of things to come. It's like you mm-hmm. said, it was his best and he arguably was the most consistent Brewers hitter last year yeah. of, of anybody. Mm-hmm. And you could rely on him to actually get base hits and come up in clutch situations. He was second on the team in RBIs, I think, last season. So you're, you're looking at it, and you hope that that carries over. And, yeah, it was a bad spring. He's learning a new position. Maybe that has something to do with it. But he's going to get plenty of at-bats. And I, I still don't get why the defensive metrics don't like him at shortstop. Because mm-hmm. when you watch him on a day-in and day-out basis, you go, he makes all the plays, and he makes them look easy for the most part. And they've got him going all over the field. So mm-hmm. I, I still don't understand why these metrics don't like him as a shortstop because the eyeball test, he passes and yeah. arm strength wise, he passes. I think, I think he's a great shortstop and the Brewers aren't going to shift as much if he's playing shortstop and Colt Wong's up the middle because of the arm strength and because of the range of both of those guys. Um, they'll still shift, but it won't be as drastic. I don't think. But I, I still think that he's a very capable shortstop. I think that he's going to still get at-bats at third base against tough left-handed pitching. I, to say that he's not going to get 500 at-bats this year, I think would be naive of me. I still think he's going to get 500 ABs in a number of different positions. Um, 
but I think he's going to be fine. I think he's totally going to be fine. Yeah. And, yeah. And, oh, go ahead, Matt. No, I was, I will say that it does feel a little bit more comforting. The fact that the platoon situation on the left side is now Urias, Arcia and Shaw. And then with obviously your Daniel Robertson kind of mixed in as opposed to kind of the very much mix and match that we kind of went through um, last season. And I think a lot of us thought that, you know, the strategy going into there had merits and that potentially even would have worked out a little bit better over the course of a full season. Um, that said, Shaw, Arcia, Urias definitely feels, again, you know, more, I have a lot more optimism uh, for that crew kind of going into this season. Yeah, and I, I wish Brock Holt would have had a better opportunity last yeah, year and yeah. would have done some things. I think he would have been a really good player for the Brewers and, and hopefully has a good year with Texas. But, yeah, you, you feel a lot more confident this year knowing third base is not a combination of Brock Holt and Jed Jerko, and then Jed Jerko goes over and plays first base for the rest of the season last year. Um, you just you just feel a lot better heading into 2021 with that situation. And Yes, it's not one player who might hit 275 and hit 30 homers and maybe it's going to be a collection of those guys putting together those types of numbers and that's okay you don't have to have one guy that just plugs in and, and you get that production from you could get it from a number of different players yeah it's it certainly it's certainly david stearns's approach to to roster building you know oh, yeah. he, he's very willing to have multiple guys uh, combined together to to get that stat line but if my bold prediction comes true you may get 30 homers from one of those guys you just might you just, <laughs> just might, might. It could end up happening. So that, that's really just kind of the, the beauty of a new season. It could happen. We don't know. Nothing, nothing's happened yet. The season is a blank slate and anything can really go. And, and that's just kind of part of, you know, the beauty of baseball and, and just the beauty of the game and, and going there day in, day out. You don't know what you're going to see. You know, you, you could witness history every single night. Um, you, you could witness something you've never seen before, such as, Maybe a no-hitter, as one might boldly say. You, you could watch somebody steal first base, as Gene Segura would. You could yep. see any number of things uh, on the baseball field there. And it's just, it, it's so, so awesome that, that everyone's going to be back and the season is finally here. And, you know, when all those crazy, thing, crazy things happen, we'll have Jeff Levering here to explain it to us through the radio. Hopefully. Hopefully you know, I'll either be doing it on the radio or, or on TV, but hopefully I explain it in a very cohesive way. And I will remember your five bullet points and I will reference your five bullet points. And I'll say, you know what? Back on March 31st, before the calendar even turned to April 1st, this is what David talked about. This is hopefully, hopefully we're able to do that at the end of September this year. Yeah. Be like, you know, this, this no hitter that just happened. <laughs> this dude called it. Called it. <laughs> he called it all the way back then. It wasn't a jinx because it wasn't happening yet, but he called it. So, nope. and I will talk about it in the middle of the game because that's the storyline, and it has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to jinx it. No. Right. There's no such thing as a broadcaster jinx. It's not. Not even with free throws. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> of course, when it does go wrong, then everyone does kind of blame you. But you know, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. It's part of the job. Part of the job. It goes with the territory. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much, man, for hopping on talking to us and, and helping preview the season. Uh, big season, 162 games coming up. 
instead of just 60 full season. Jeff, thank you so much, man, for, for taking the time talking to us. I had a lot of fun. You got it, guys. Keep up the good work, okay? Will do, man. Will do. You you as well. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. If you want to follow Jeff Levering on Twitter, it's at jlevering4. Uh, you can follow me at dgasper24. And, of course, you can follow Matt at mkematt13. Uh, thank you for joining us this week on the Cold Brew Podcast. We finally have baseball back. Opening day is here. Opening weekend is here. 162 games to go. And we couldn't be more excited. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. We'll see you next week for another edition. Of the Cold Brew.